Today, I want to talk about profound autism. I know this is a controversial topic, but of course, I'm going to talk about it anyway. Some people listening may not like the term profound, but the Center for Disease Control has now counted the number of people that have a profound autism diagnosis, and they've published it. So they are, in fact, acknowledging and confirming the existence of this term. If you don't like the term profound, let's set aside the actual term. I think we can all agree that the diagnosis of autism has become really, really broad. So broad, in fact, that it may be meaningless for many. There are people that don't have a diagnosis, but have diagnosed themselves using TikTok. And that was recently highlighted by a New York Times article from someone on the spectrum. And there's also people who associate autism using the term neurodivergent, which may or may not actually be autism. Neurodivergence is very broad. And then there are people who are, are in special needs classrooms who need intense behavioral supports. So it's harder and harder not only to understand the needs of the larger autism community, forget serving them and helping them. Now, again, I'm not saying that all people who self-diagnose with autism use TikTok, but some of them do. And I'm not saying everyone who uses the term neurodivergent is not on the spectrum because, of course, some of them do and actually prefer to associate with the term neurodivergent, not autism. My point is, is that with all the varying needs of people who not only associate with different labels, prefer different terms, have different levels, and not just forget types of needs, we need to start being more specific in our descriptions. You have those who are in college or those who will never receive a high school diploma. You have some that says they want to use the term autistic versus those that don't care, who don't necessarily see it as an identity, and those who cannot communicate, not just verbally, but communicate at all. So the autism doesn't really know whether they'll watch its butt or scratch its wrist. That term, watch your butt or scratch your wrist, is from a movie called Steel Magnolias, if you don't already know that. The term profound is a first step in trying to understand how scientists, clinicians, parents, self-advocates, and other caregivers can help better understand and navigate the different forms of autism, because there are different forms of autism, from intellectual disability to verbal ability to medical comorbidities to psychiatric comorbidities. There are different types of autism. So I was at the Hillebrand Autism Symposium on Thursday in New York, and I saw a great talk by the wonderful Morton Ann Gernsbacher. If you're listening, Dr. Gernsbacher, I'm sorry I didn't say hello. I remember you from when I worked at NAR, but after your talk, you were swarmed by fans. So anyway, Dr. Gernsbacher was talking about stigma in general and words to use to avoid stigma. Clearly the R word, which is used to describe people who are mentally retarded, but it's slang, that word is off limits. There are other words that are off limits too, but the community is so diverse with so many preferences on whether or not they have a comorbidity or they think they have a co-occurrence of different things like anxiety and GI issues. They're diverse in terms of whether they prefer identity first or person first language. And there have been so many vocal voices saying, use this or use that that many people outside and within the autism community don't know what to do. And really, why would they? My point there is there's a lot of differences in the community. It's not about being better or worse. It's not about being more than or less than. 
It's about being different. So in the struggle to parse out heterogeneity, as it's called, and possibly subgroup people according to their different needs, the term profound autism was published in The Lancet last year as a way to describe people who will require lifelong 24-7 supports. Typically, these people have an IQ less than 50 or are minimally verbal or non-speaking. Of course, we know that some people who are minimally verbal are not intellectually disabled, so it's an or, not an and. And if you don't like the term profound, what term would you use to call those who fit into this category? Think of it that way. There are a group of people out there whose disabilities are so extreme that they might not ever be able to live independently. They might not have a large social circle. They may only have one to two friends. And they may not be eligible for competitive employment. Of course, some people in this category, like a member of the IACC who just graduated from Berkeley and uses type to communicate, may have qualified for that term, but will be able to live independently. He doesn't have any spoken language, but he will need a facilitator to help him in his daily life for at least the short-term future. I could go on and on about this. The term profound is being given to a group of people because of their specific needs. For example, While starting employment programs for college graduates at places like Microsoft and Pfizer may be really helpful for those who have normal to high cognitive abilities, they can code and program, and they can run biological assays pretty independently in the lab. These job opportunities are not going to be helpful to most people who cannot do things like dress themselves or bathe themselves. This isn't a judgment. I know people say that this is some sort of value judgment. It's not. It's a term. And it's a fact that some people will be able to be competitively employed and other people will not. So let's go on to think about how many people have this term of profound autism. The Center for Disease Control did account. Remember, a certain number of people in their ATOM network have a documented intellectual disability and a verbal ability. And in most states, they found when they counted from eight-year-olds from 2000 to 2016, that percentage was 26.7% of eight-year-olds had profound autism. Interestingly, I said most states have data on cognitive ability. They couldn't get data from Missouri and Pennsylvania. So they didn't use that data. It's not a small number. It's about a quarter of individuals who have autism also have a profound autism diagnosis or are minimally verbal or have no spoken language or have an IQ of 50 or less. This is considered a severe intellectual disability. So you can say this doesn't count towards three quarters of the autism community, but it does apply to about one quarter of the autism community, which is still pretty big. Now for eight-year-olds in 2016, they found the ratio to be the highest of profound autism, but let's think about it. From 20,000 to 2016, the prevalence of autism was getting higher, profound and non-profound. So this was really no surprise that it was getting the highest in 2016. What was interesting though, is that they tracked the rates of profound versus non-profound autism across different years. They rose across time. The rates of autism increased, of course, you know this already, But the increase of autism increased more so in those who were non-profound. So those that had an IQ above 60 or had some verbal ability. If you look at figure two in in the 
manuscript, which I'm going to share on the podcast summary, you can see there is a greater increase in those who are non-profound than those who are profound. Some other interesting tidbits, the rate of profound autism was higher in girls than boys. Now, there was still a gender difference in diagnosis, so there were more boys diagnosed than girls. But if you took the percent of boys, it was about 25% profound, where in girls, it was about 32% profound. If you look at figure one in the paper, those yellow dots are the prevalence total, not percent by sex. Girls had about a 1.25 increase in the prevalence of profound autism compared to boys. It may be that those with non-profound autism are what's called hiding in plain sight and can compensate, which is a common theory about why fewer girls are diagnosed with boys. Knowing that there's difference will help researchers focus on either the 25% or the 75% with non-profound autism to understand their diagnostic differences better. Lumping into one category for effective services, interventions, and supports is not working. I hear all of us at different meetings saying the pace of autism research is not fast enough to meet the need. Grouping people according to some of their needs, some of their abilities or disabilities is going to move us in that right direction. Now, I know many of you will disagree with me on this, but I think that everyone agrees that progress and supports to help people across the spectrum are lacking. And that's not going to change unless we realize that different people with autism have different needs and are going to require different approaches to help them. There are, of course, commonalities, but there are differences too. And it's okay to say there are differences without jumping to the conclusion that those people have a judgment about those differences. That judgment may be a different discussion, but this study is about numbers and the needs of people in those numbers. Profound autism was also more common in black and Hispanic children compared to white children. Given the bias in diagnosis, that's not surprising either. Sometimes those with more extreme features like not speaking or having an intellectual disability are more likely to be noticed in black and Hispanic kids. That, st that result has been shown before, even in the last prevalence study. The highest rate of intellectual disability was in black boys. Another factor was low SES. Again, given the disparity in diagnosis, it's not surprising that those who had an intellectual disability or an obvious sign of not being speaking were the ones in the low socioeconomic status group getting diagnosed with autism. Being preterm was also associated with having profound autism. The last latest prevalence numbers of 1 in 36 were labeled as a declaration of all the people that have autism and who need help. Well, that one is going to need something different than the 36 in that list. Certain people need residential services, others do not. But what has been happening around some of the discussions for housing is that the some people who don't need these residential services are trying to make decisions for those that do. This is a perfect example of how we need to be more inclusive in the rights of everyone on the spectrum, not just the ones that can speak for themselves. Another issue is the wandering issue. Some people have dismissed the wandering issue, which happens a lot in this profound autism community, as a recognition of abuse, that, parent, that these kids are wandering because they are being abused by their parents. I highly object to this description. And now with this profound autism designation, we can really understand why those who have 
lower intellectual abilities and nonverbal communication skills, why they're wandering. It's not just about abuse. So if you have a comment or a nasty thing to say, go ahead and leave comments on the podcast summary or on the Facebook feed. If you have a nasty comment, please tweet it. You can tag me at halliday 212 Talk to you next week.